Psalm 91, and I'm going to talk to you today about the best insurance for the new year. Psalm 91, and up on the board, we're going to put each verse of Psalm 91. I'm going to have you read it with me. You can read it off the board. Hope you have good farsightedness so you can see those uh, words. And that's so that we can all be reading the same version. Psalm 91. We're going to read the verse together. And then I'm going to give you a kind of a literal translation of the verse. Okay? One verse at a time. Here's the first verse. Ready? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. I will confess to the Lord, You are my defender, and You are my protector. You are my God, in You I trust. Verse 3. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence. He'll keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. Verse 4, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He will cover you with his wings. You'll be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. Verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day. Verse 6, Nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday. That saying, don't worry about the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. Verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. Verse 8, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You'll look and see how the wicked are punished, how they are rewarded. Verse 9, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, you have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector. Verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. No disaster will strike you, no violence will come near your home. Verse 11, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. Verse 12, they shall bear thee up in their hands, 
lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. They'll hold you up with their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on stones. Verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You'll trample down lions and snakes and fierce lions and poisonous snakes. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. God says, I will save those who love me. I will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. That is, when they call to me, I will answer them. And when they are in trouble, I will be with them and I will rescue them and I will honor them. Verse 16, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will reward them with long life and I will save them. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord and you may be seated. Now let me say this before I get into the message because I may forget it if I don't say it now. I would like to meet with all of the men who are here present for about five minutes after the service. All of the men for five minutes, maybe right down here on this pew after the service this morning. Now probably most of you know that at least part of this Psalm 91 is mentioned in the New Testament. These, ver these words down here that uh, we read, verse 11, verse 11, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Those words were quoted by the devil himself to the Lord Jesus Christ when he tempted him. When Christ was pulled aside and went out into the desert, the scripture says, led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil, the devil tempted him with three temptations. And one of them was to take him up and tell him to jump off of a temple down into the streets of Jerusalem. And then he quoted this scripture. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, and they'll bear, you, they, they'll bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. How did the Lord Jesus respond to that? Well, he responded with, it is written again. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm going to teach you probably for two or three weeks from this psalm, and I want you to know that the Lord does not promise us immunity from trouble. He doesn't promise us immunity from trouble, but he does promise us that he will be with us in the trouble and through the trouble, and he'll deliver us from it when we're looking to him. The devil quoted these words, and that tells us that you can quote the Scripture and know the Scripture, 
and not know the God of the Scripture. You can be an enemy of the God of the Scripture. Certainly the devil is the enemy of the people of God, and he is an enemy of our God and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. But he could quote some of the Scripture. We need to know not only what the Scripture says, we need to know what the Scripture means. We need to know not only the Scripture, but we need to know and trust the God of the Scripture. And as I taught you in the last year, we need to learn to be Shama, S-H-A-M-A, Shama hearers. A Shama hearer is someone who hears and obeys. If we don't have a spirit of obedience, according to the Scripture, we really haven't heard. Now, I know that our obedience is always faulty. Our obedience is always less than perfect. Our obedience always has something lacking. Maybe it's desire, maybe it's uh, the zeal that we have, maybe we don't obey in joy, but still we have a spirit of obedience. We want to obey the Lord, and that is what it is to hear. When the Lord Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear, that's what he was saying. He's saying, if you hear what I'm saying, then obey, obey. Now we come now to the end of an old year and the beginning of a new one. And no doubt our minds are full of memories from the old year and anticipatory thoughts of the new one. And we think of the many events that transpired, the many accidents that we have survived, the blessings that we have received in 2022, and no doubt we're wondering in some sense, what awaits us in 2023. Some of our friends, perhaps even members of our family, were taken from us last year. But others, though severely tried, survived. Some we thought would make it didn't, and some we thought would be fine or gone. I got a call yesterday afternoon from an old friend who now lives in North Carolina. I met him in Georgia many years ago. He returned back home to uh, Ashburn uh, and Alexandria, Virginia, uh, where he's been living for all these years until about, I'm going to say 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he moved to North Carolina because that's where he and his wife, Loretta Roden, that's where their children had moved and that's where their grandchildren were. And I got a call from John yesterday that Loretta had passed away on December the 23rd. She'd been suffering from Alzheimer's for some time, uh, since 2016. Had a fall that seemed to have really hastened that disease along, and she passed away uh, on the 23rd of December. And John is weathering it well, although he is, of course, heartbroken. So she began the year, uh, but uh, just barely, uh, almost finished it, but didn't quite make it. And there are some that we thought would make it, and they didn't. And some we thought would be leaving, and they are still here. But with all the ups and downs and with all the ins and outs, there are a few things that we can be certain of. A few things we can be certain of. Number one. What is done is done. We cannot 
recall anything or change anything that was done in 2022. We can't go back. I might say it this way. Wax that is burned in the candle of life cannot be replaced. We talked a little bit about this the other day. Sometimes uh, a few of us men will meet for breakfast at Cracker Barrel and we were talking about the forgiveness of sins and the removal of guilt. See, I think a lot of times we still hold guilt on us when we have been forgiven for those sins. I believe the Lord forgives you of your sins when you confess your sins to Him, when you come to Him and you plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for all of your sin. But often we have trouble letting that guilt go. We still carry that with us, though we are forgiven. My friends, if the Lord doesn't forgive us, not only 1 John 1, 9, all of you know that passage of Scripture? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me just dissect that verse for you a little bit. First of all, God's faithfulness is involved in forgiving us. He's faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to the blood of His Son. The blood of His Son that was shed in our place and on our behalf. He's faithful. He remembers that blood and He forgives us based on that. Then it says He's just. It is a matter of justice for God to forgive us of our sins. He forgives us of our sins because justice has been done. Justice has been satisfied against us. And there's nothing against us. So he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And then he says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here's what I think that means. I think that he not only forgives you of your sins, when you confess those to him, but I think he forgives you of all unrighteousness that maybe you have forgotten. Maybe you have forgotten. Maybe it's out of your memory. You know, in the Old Testament, they had various sacrifices and offerings. And uh, one of them was for sins of ignorance. When a person sinned and didn't even know they sinned. They weren't aware of their sin. Maybe they'd forgotten their sin. But the Lord forgave them based on His faithfulness and His goodness and His justice. So remember this, what is done is done. We can't go back and redo it. We can't recall it. But we can confess it to Him. We can confess the sins of 2022 in 2023. We can lay them before the Lord. And then as one man said, he said, when you forget, when you confess your sins, then you need to forget them. You need to forget them. That's the difficult part. We still hold those into uh, our minds and in our hearts, and we experience not only guilt, but we experience shame because of things that we've done, we've said, we've acted. What's done is done. Number two, we can be certain of this. We're one year older, and we're one year nearer eternity. Now, time cannot be stopped, no matter what the health and cosmetic companies tell us. Uh, even if we can change things outside, we can't 
take any time served off our spiritual odometer. The age of these bodies must still be dated from the time that we were born. And you can be certain of that. No matter what you do on the outside, the body remains unchanged as far as its date and its age. Number three, you can be certain that we who are yet alive are being given more time. Now, if we don't know the Lord, we'll be given time to seek him while he may be found and to call upon him while he is near. If we are among those who have trusted in the Lord, we know for sure that he's not through with us yet. If he were through with you, he'd go ahead and take you out of here. The only reason you're still here is because he's not through with you. So you can be certain that the Lord is not through with you because you are still here in this new year. If we've trusted the Lord, we know for certain he's not through with us. Fourthly, we can be certain that we have survived the last 12 months by the grace of God. If you have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, if you're a person and you're hearing me on the internet or you're here present with us today and you really have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, you have come to this day in your life by the grace of God. We call it common grace. You've been spared this year from disease, fatal accidents, or at least fatal disease, fatal accidents, and many things and all things that could have ended your life, and you've been spared by the common grace of God. And none of us, whether a child of common grace or a child of redeeming grace, has arrived alive at this moment accidentally. We have arrived here on purpose, a divine purpose, either for our salvation or our hope, and shunned to say it, for our damnation. According to Romans 9, 22, God often endures with much long-suffering vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. And so, my friend, whoever you are, if you are not yet redeemed, you've been spared for one of two reasons to leave you without excuse, or to save you. And this brings me to the fifth thing of which we can be certain. You can trust the God and Savior of the Bible. Moses and the prophets say so. The apostles and the disciples of Jesus say so. The great cloud of witnesses down through history recorded in Romans, or rather Hebrews chapter 12 say so. The writer of this psalm says so. You can trust him. You can trust him to save you, and you can trust him to keep you while you are in this world. On the way to the next world. And this brings us to the theme of this psalm. I believe the theme of Psalm 91 is divine protection. It is the testimony of David. The writer of this psalm is David, the great king of Israel, and this is his testimony. Now, an integral part of the divine purpose of God for the redeemed children of God is divine protection. That's the theme of this 91st psalm. 
And I suggest that the protection of God is the best insurance for 2023 and all the years to come. So let's take a look at it. One of the first things David tells us in verse 2 is that we can go to the Lord for protection. You notice verse 2. He says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my God, in him will I trust. So whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, can say to him, you're my defender and you're my protector. In the second place, we learn why we need protection. Verses 3 through 8, life is full of threats. We need protection from the threats of life. And I believe that the emphasis in these verses is upon things which come to us involuntarily. We don't seek them. We don't act for them. We try to avoid them, but they come anyway. And some threats in life lie in wait for us, like verse 3, the snare of the fowler. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Now, we might think that many of the accidents that befall us are only accidents. But often, according to this psalm, they may have been set up by the enemy of God and the enemy of man, the devil. He's the fowler that sets up traps to catch men. Now, the word that's translated fowler is a Hebrew word, yokush, and it means bait layer. A fowler in olden days was a sportsman who pursued fowl, took them to kill them uh, for food. Uh, long ago, uh, before we used guns uh, to hunt birds, uh, animals were captured with nets spread on the ground over traps and snares. And sometimes, if he's hunting birds or small prey, the fowler would use hawks to hunt other animals or other birds. And he supplied the demand for doves and for other birds and caged pets and furnished the market with wild pigeons and doves for sacrifices and for food. We are promised here that the Lord will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. In other words, the Almighty God will deliver us from the evil plans to ruin us. David said in Psalm 124, verse 7, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. And Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 26, Among my people are found wicked men. They watch as fowlers lie in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. So life is full of threats. And some threats lie in wait for us like the snare of the fowler. But he says we are protected. We are protected from these things that come upon us. Some of them sneak, us up, sneak up on us like uh, come upon us unaware like the pestilence. He mentions this in verse 3 and in verse 6, the pestilence. 
And the word pestilence, we know what that means. That's any sudden fatal epidemic, and it's usually associated with divine visitations from God. In Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the pestilence is always associated with the famine or with the sword and with war in Amos as compared to the plagues of Egypt. And here, deliverance is promised from the pestilence to those who put their trust in the Lord. In the King James Version, it has the noisome pestilence, and that's a shortened form of a noisome, and it's used in the sense of being hateful, uh, something that causes trouble, something that uh, brings distress. The modern word would probably be the word loathsome. So some threats are real, like the arrow that flies by day, but others are imaginary, like the terror that comes by night, according to verse, verse 5. Terror, something that's dreaded, something that's feared, something that because of its greatness or its power or its cruelty frightens human beings. Paul spoke of the terror of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. He said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now verse 13, some threats we have to face head on like the lion or the serpent that stands squarely in our pathway. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. We know, of course, that the devil is compared to a roaring lion and a serpent. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So the devil is a threat, but so many other things. So how do we deal with these threats? All of which, in some way or another, we will face in this new year. Well, we deal with them by faith. By faith. If you look at verse 4, and of course, if you guys can put up verse 4 up there, that'll be fine, because we'll all have the same uh, version. He says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. That's faith. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. I read uh, or heard, perhaps I heard it, that only 11% of Americans read the Bible daily. Only 11% read the Bible daily. Is it any wonder that we are so weak spiritually as a nation? Any wonder why we see all of these foundations of this republic crumbling before our very eyes. We don't read the Scripture. We don't witness the Scripture. We don't teach the Scripture. We're too busy trying to please people and having user-friendly churches. This Scripture says here that we have to face this new year by faith, by trusting in the Lord, by standing on His truth. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So according to verse 1, by faith in our Savior is meant dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what that means, trusting in Him. To the world, it's a secret. They don't understand it. It's a mystery. But to us, it's a revelation. Verse 2, by confessing the Messiah, Jesus, to be our Savior, He becomes our refuge, our fortress, and our God. Verse 4, by realizing and confessing by faith that he will protect us as a hen protects her chicks. 
then we must through obedient faith hide ourselves under his protective wings. Then verse 11, by faith we understand that he gives us his angels. He gives a command to his angels to watch over us. And we're told in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 that the angels are sent forth as ministering spirits to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. In short, we should face this new year in faith. But where does faith get its power, its sustaining power, its persevering power? It gets it from the written word of God. And its object is our God and our Savior who brought us safely through 2022. I can't say it enough, and I wish I could say it uh, more forcefully, but getting in the Word and getting the Word in you is where you will get the power and the strength to face any calamity that comes your way. When things come your way, you'll be able to get through them because you'll be standing on the promises in the Word of God. But if you don't know the word, if you don't have the word in you, then when something comes, you're going to panic. You're going to go to pieces because you don't have anything substantial to stand on. Our God is presented to us in the word and his promises in the word are for all of his children. And it's the one we trust who gives us the strength, who gives us the faith to sustain us. And he does this with his word. Now, this entire psalm is a testimony affirmed by the Word of God that the saints of God are always totally secure. And as one theologian said, he said, the saints of God in heaven may be happier than the saints of God on earth, but they are no more secure. The truth is, the saints in heaven shouldn't be any more happier than the saints on earth. The reason they are happier is because of our weak faith. The writer of this psalm takes God at his word. He believes his promises. All of which are made in God's name by the God who cannot lie and who has sworn by himself. And these promises made in God's name to all true genuine believers. And here's what he's telling us. Seven things and then I'm going to close. One, he promises us that believers, his children, will be taken under the peculiar care of heaven. That's verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that's verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Number two. They shall be delivered from the powers of darkness. Verses 3, 5, and 6. Verse 3, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Verse 6, Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. They'll be preserved and delivered from the powers of darkness. Number three, they'll be preserved and prepared for heaven. Verses seven and eight. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. 
Number four, they'll have angels assigned to them, verses 11 and 12. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Number six, they will be favored by God himself, verses 14 and 15. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And number seven, they shall triumph through faith in the faith of Christ, who triumphed over the devil and all the powers of hell. As I have pointed out to you, it was this psalm that Lucifer quoted in part to our Savior when he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. And this is very important. He who was the living Word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, he was God incarnate, God in the flesh. He triumphed over the devil in the way we will have to triumph over the devil by the Word of God written. And we also, if we believe God and believe His Word and learn His Word, memorize His Word, live according to His Word, we also will triumph. We must be determined to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if we do, we'll have a divine insurance policy that will guarantee protection in time and even beyond time. Now, let me say this as a final word. I have already said that this is a messianic psalm. You know what I mean by messianic psalm? It applies primarily to the Messiah. It applies to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't interpret it the way most people interpret it because... When the Lord cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why was he forsaken? Was he delivered or was he not delivered? Well, he was delivered, but he wasn't delivered like we think he should be delivered. He was delivered by being resurrected from the grave three days later after he had accomplished the will of God, the Father, in this world. We know that, right? So everything that is said here applies to Christ. So how can we get hold of it? Well, do you remember in the book of Hebrews, when the writer to the Hebrews was showing how this guy named Melchizedek, Melchizedek was a high priest of God, and he met Abraham on the way. Abraham was coming back from a victory. And remember, the Bible says that Abraham gave Melchizedek, the high priest, he gave him a tenth of all that he possessed. Shake your head if you remember that. I hope you've all heard that. Okay. The writer to the Hebrews points out that Melchizedek was the greater, he was greater than Abraham because he says the one who gives is the lesser, the one who to whom giving is given is the greater. He's pointing out this, first of all, because all of the priests came from where? What, what tribe did the priest come from? Came from Levi. Came from the tribe of Levi, right? Now, our Lord is our high priest, isn't he? 
But he didn't come from the tribe of Levi. You see, the tribe of Levi, when you had a high priest, then his son or somebody would become the high priest and he'd die and his son would become a high priest. Well, the, the, the tribe of Levi, uh, Levi has, has not only ceased from the priesthood, but our Lord Jesus Christ was not born in the tribe of Levi. He was born in the tribe of Judah. In the tribe of Judah, the priesthood was moved from the tribe of Levi to the tribe of Judah. And the man that wrote the book of Hebrews says that when Abraham met Melchizedek and he gave him a tenth of all that he possessed, he said that when Abraham gave that tenth, all of the tribe of Levi... All the future priests, because Abraham lived when? He lived before the law was given. Moses came much later. Abraham lived way before the law was given. So the writer to the Hebrews is saying that our Lord Jesus Christ, being the high priest, that he received through Melchizedek, he received tithes from the tribe of Levi. In other words, the, the priests, all the priests that were going to come out of Abraham in the tribe of Levi, he says, gave tithes to Melchizedek, showing the Levitical priest showed that Melchizedek was a superior priest over them. I hope you understand that. I'll, I'll try to touch some more on that maybe next week. Now, if this psalm is about the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the same relationship with him that the writer to the Hebrews is saying about Melchizedek and all the priests bowing to him. See, when Christ, who is our substitute, who is our representative, when he died, when he suffered on the cross for sin, we suffered in him because we are related to him. When he died, we died. When he resurrected, we resurrected. So all of these things in Psalm 91, we can apply to Christ, but we can apply to ourselves in Christ. And though we will not be delivered, if the Lord tarries, we won't be delivered from death. We won't be delivered from all the diseases that come. Some of us have had coronavirus. Brother Todd's been ill. We're thankful he can be here with us today, the Perrys are ill and sick, Joe Turner is sick, and others are sick that I can't remember. So we're not spared from all of that, but we'll be spared from the ultimate punishment of all of those diseases. Why do we have diseases? We have diseases because we're sinners. We are fallen race, and we're in these corruptible bodies. We are in these bodies that are, that are full of sin. And we have sin in this world. So we're not going to be delivered. We're not immune from all of the troubles and the trials uh, of this world. But God has promised us that he will be with us in the trouble and that ultimately we'll have victory over all the troubles in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he had victory. He's seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, we are seated in the heavenlies in him. So I hope to make that a little bit more clearer to you. All I wanted to say to you this morning was we have a sure protection 
in our Lord Jesus Christ because he's not just the high one, but he is the most high, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word Almighty is El Shaddai, the God who appeared to Abraham. And I'll take it up there next week. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word. Let's stand together.